Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. There's an often told, told story, um, but uh, I, I read it in my study in this week from uh, John Piper. And Piper relays the story about uh, World War II. And uh, in World War II in Nazi Germany, there was one particular holding camp for American uh, POWs. And so these Americans, they weren't being fed well. Um, they, they weren't uh, being cared for too well. And frankly, they, the, the um, Nazi Germany just didn't really care a whole lot about the prisoners, and uh, especially what they were doing at the time and um, just, just how broken they were. But uh, there were, as the story goes, there were American prisoners of war that had just been discouraged and beat down and wonder would the end ever come. And um, over time, they were becoming more frail and they were becoming more malnourished. But um, suddenly, something changed. Um, one day, you looked about the camp and there would be pockets of POWs with smiles on their faces. Um, every once in a while, there'd be a hoot or a holler from one part of the yard to the other. And uh, to the Germans... Uh, chagrin, they couldn't understand why these American prisoners were uh, suddenly a little bit more joyful. And uh, what they didn't know was that one of the um, prisoners got a hold of a smuggled in transistor radio. And they had heard that the Allied forces were on the march. And they knew, based on what the reports were on the radio, that it would only be a matter of time before their rescue would come. And so while they were still in captivity, while they were still in a place where they were malnourished, while they were still facing um, the challenge of imminent danger, they had great joy. And the great joy wasn't based on any actual circumstance right in front of them, but it was based on the good news that a rescue was coming. And that, that story symbolizes much of the Christian faith. That story symbolizes much of our posture before God. That story symbolizes much of how we approach our life day in and day out. Many of us, we don't realize or we don't give credence to the fact that there is good news in the gospel of God. And no matter what we face, no matter what we're up against, no matter what prison we feel like we're in, we have the good news. The transistor radio has been smuggled in and we are aware that there's a coming king that has come to redeem his children. In Luke chapter 2, today we're going to look into that. The first thing I want to draw your attention to is good news brings light into darkness. Good news brings light into darkness. You see, when you are, are faced with a dark situation, when you're in peril, when you're not feeling like it's working out, when the relationships are crashing, when the walls are caving in, when your sin is overwhelming, when you don't know where to go or where to turn, Good news is what brings light into that darkness. But many of us, even if we're in Christ, we don't give a lot of credence to that good news. And even when we think about Christmas, we're just like, well, it's a holiday coming, and I'm a Christian, this is what I do. But really, we need to celebrate that good news in a whole new way because it brings light into our darkness. In Luke chapter 2, we see the story. In the same region where the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. <laughs> I would be too. 
And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That'll be for how many people? All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Good news of great joy. We're talking about how to have a Merry Christmas, how to have our Christmas line up with the biblical definition of good news and great joy. We have a Merry Christmas when we focus on the good news. You want to have a Merry Christmas this year? Watch where your focus is. Am I focused on the gifts? Am I focused on the budget and the money? Am I focused on impressing other people? Where is my focus headed into Christmas? Some of you may travel and meet with some estranged relatives that you haven't sat down with in so long. Or maybe you ignored them in Thanksgiving. Or maybe you switched families on who you were going to visit. And whatever it might be, you're just saying, man, I'm focused on that. And it's robbing you of where you are in your life. But Christmas should be about focusing on the good news of the gospel of God, the good news of Jesus Christ coming into the world, the good news that the light has come into, you, into the darkness. So you have to ask yourself, how do I celebrate a Merry Christmas? How do I have a Merry Christmas? How do I focus properly on what God wants me to focus on, on the coming Emmanuel, the coming Messiah? I have to focus in on the good news of this whole thing. The good news. The angel of the Lord appeared and said, the glory of the Lord shone around. You're filled with great fear. The angel said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I want to know for us this morning, how many of us would genuinely be able to say, you know what, at Christmas, I focus on the good news and I have great joy about it. Versus how many of us say, well, it's a means to an end. This story is the means in which I'm around family. This story is a means in which I'm around uh, a table breaking bread. And man, that feels good and it's warm and fuzzy to be around my family. But you know, the, the story is the good news. And that's where our heart's attention and our heart's devotion need to be focused on. And, and what is the good news? Jesus is for all the people. That's some good news. There's not a person that you're going to encounter that does not have the opportunity, no matter what you or what I might place on people in terms of limitations. You and I, we look at certain people and we go, oh, well, church isn't for them. God's not for them. They're kind of somehow on the outside of the possibility in the realm of God to save. But I've got news for you. There is no human you're ever going to lock eyes with on this planet ever that is beyond the grip of grace. There, there's no human to where God cannot get a hold of that human's heart and draw them to himself. There's, that doesn't exist. And so our, our uh, responsibility is to walk around every day with opportunity in our hearts. Opportunity when you're walking through the grocery store. Opportunity when you're look, drive, going through Target, picking out gifts. Opportunity of the fact that everybody who walks past you the other direction is somebody that Christ died give the opportunity for salvation the good news is for all the people the good news isn't for some of the people the good news is for all the people we all have that opportunity in front of us if we would just repent and believe in Christ what is the good news good news is Jesus is the savior Jesus the savior has come that's good news good news for all the people is that Jesus has come God has come to us Many of us, we would get worked up if somebody super important in our life would decide to visit our home. We would, we would clean. We would move everything. We would even clean probably the closets. You know, we would, we would go above and beyond. But Jesus has come. Jesus has come 
to deliver you. Jesus has come to save you. Jesus has come to give you new life. That is some good news to focus on at Christmas. And we can find freedom from sin in Jesus. That's good news. That's good news. God looked down and he saw a wretched, broken people, a sin-filled people, and, and he said the opposite of what you and I would do. You and I would walk across the other side of the street. You and I most likely would try to find some kind of excuse to not be around, quote unquote, those people. But that's the exact opposite of what Jesus did when he looked on the mass of humanity with their sin. He didn't look down and say, you know what? I see your sin. I see your burden. I see your problem. I see your shame. I see your guilt. He looked down and said, I see an opportunity for you to connect with the Father in heaven. And if you'll put down your sin, if you will repent of your sin, if you will turn around and give me lordship over your life, salvation is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. Everywhere Jesus went, he preached about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. He said, you know what? You can get in the kingdom of God if you'll see God as your king. If you'll see God as your king. So many times we focus on so many other things. The reality is that we can find freedom. We can find freedom from sin in Jesus. And you know, as Christians, we often do not echo the good news. And it breaks my heart when I see Christ followers walking around echoing sin. And so we do it in some ways. There's two ways you can echo sin. I hope you know. You can echo sin by living in it. And being a living example, and that's the easy one, right? That's the preacher's answer. That's the church answer. But it's true. You can echo sin. You can reverberate the consequences of sin through your living example. But you know how else you can do it? By talking about it over and over and over and over. And you're giving credit to the devil every single day when you just go out and you say, yeah, I'm just in this, I'm just in this, I'm just in this. And people get around you and they're just like, wow, you give a lot of power in your life to the enemy. And you give very little power to the light that is Jesus. And you and I, we have to remind ourselves, I'm not an echo bearer of sin in this world. I'm supposed to be an echo bearer of the gospel. I'm supposed to reverberate the gospel in this world so that those that are looking in can see. Those that will have ears will hear. Those that will taste will see. They will find that there's something good in Christ. And so many of us, we echo sin through our behaviors and our lives, and we continue to live as though we don't even know Christ. And you may not. That's a scary thought. But we can also do it when we're in Christ And we are walking with him, but yet all that comes out of our mouth is all of the obvious. That's like when it's wintertime and people go, it's cold out here. You ever get around those people? Like you get in the car in the morning, it's cold. Um, Yeah, it's January. (laughs) Like, obviously, it's cold. We got it. But we echo, we echo the negative. And what we're really called to do is celebrate Christmas 365 days a year. We're called to echo the positive. We're called to echo the fact that Christ has come. We're called to echo that it's good news of great joy for all the people, for everybody. Is it good news for that person that's living in sin? Yeah, it's really good news. Why? They're in sin. It doesn't apply to them. Yeah, it does. If they ever come to Christ before they die. It is good news that there's still a way for them. There's still opportunity. 
No, pastor, you don't understand. They are the, let, me, let me walk you through all their sin. I don't need to know. Don't we get it? I don't need to know all of the layers of all of their problems. Because if we were to turn the projector on into your life and into my life, we would find cracks and crevices where sin has crept in and we'd be embarrassed. So instead of echoing out the consequences and the fall of man and the sin, I could spend my time echoing the opportunity that's found in Christ to come to him the opportunity of lordship, the opportunity of salvation in Christ. I can echo out that message. You say, Pastor, are you painting over their sin? No, it's just that I know that it's sin. And, my, and theology teaches me that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Pastor, don't you want to talk about it? No, I don't want to give a lot more credit to talk about all the different ways that they've fallen short of the glory of God. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the fact that the glory of God has come to rescue them. And I want to echo out that great story. I want to have a Merry Christmas because I'm genuinely joyful that love has come, that salvation has come, that freedom has come, that opportunity has come, that heaven has come to earth. I don't want to be a mouthpiece for Satan. I don't want to beat up my brother and tear him down more. Well, pastor, they need to know. Yeah, they need to know that they're sinners that are in need of a Savior. But I need to know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And when we come with that humility, when we approach Christmas, when we approach the, the, the manger with that humility, that allows us to better point and to echo the light that has come into darkness. Often in the Christmas story, we lose sight of the fact that that word has made flesh and come to us. The darkness that we're in cannot be more than the light that is in Christ. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he's pleased, or another translation says, on whom his favor rests. So I find that to be beautiful. On whom his favor rests. Who does his favor rest on? All that would come to know him. It's favor that God would reach and rescue. It's favor that God would come and find us in our brokenness and lift us up. It's favor. I just can't get over that Jesus could have spent all of the Gospels rebuking everybody he ever encountered. Do you ever think about that? If there was a person that could have walked the earth and spent four books in the Bible simply rebuking everybody, it would be Jesus. But what was his posture? His posture was the kingdom has come. Repent and believe. His posture was come, join in to this, this new song that's being sung. God has come. God is here. John 3.17 says, look, Jesus didn't have to walk around and condemn because we stand condemned already in our sin. That's a no-brainer. We're all condemned already. And so he didn't need to spend his time doing the condemning because the condemnation already exists. What he spent his time doing was echoing the reality of the glory of God that has come. 
We have a Merry Christmas when God is given glory and we receive his peace. It said, glory to God. They're singing suddenly with the angel, the multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom his, whom his favor rests or whom he is pleased. We have a Merry Christmas when God is given glory and we receive his peace. This is counterintuitive to us. But my friends, it is so vital that you understand the connection. That when I give glory to God, my peace, my peace comes. We try to take glory from God, don't we? It could be subtle. It could be because of our intelligence or our money or our influence. We try to rob God of His glory. Sometimes we try to even, in Christmas, give the best gift for our own benefit. So we could be seen as something. And so really, I'm using people as pawns to get my own glory. How sick are we? We legitimately spend our time thinking of trying to come up with the best thing so that we get the ooh and the ah. The person is not even the object of our affection at that point. We are. Because we're like, I'm going to praise me vis-a-vis -vis you. How twisted. We can't even give glory away when we're celebrating the birth of God, the coming of God. Because we've made it about, let me impress you so that you thank me, and in that thanking, I feel better. And we rob glory. We're glory hogs. But what happens if we could get to a place to where we understand true peace? Peace is a gift that comes from the glory of God. Peace is the gift that comes from the glory of God. So when we give glory to God, what we're doing is we're acknowledging at the same time, simultaneously, you, you're not able to give glory away and keep it for yourself. You're acknowledging that you are better, whoever the object of the glory is. So, so when uh, the Ravens score a touchdown, which they've done a ton this year, by the way, choo-choo, but when that happens, we're, we're celebrating. We're like, wow, you are incredible. You are awesome. You're phenomenal. Big trust. And like when we do that, we're giving that glory. We're like, you're doing something that I don't think I could ever do. And it's so impressive to me that you're doing that on a stage where I couldn't even get on that stage, but you're doing it at such a level. Wow, great job. And by default, by giving that glory away, I'm at the same time acknowledging my own inability. And I'm okay with it. Is there any fan sitting at some bar on a bar stool that's like, oh, I'm faster than Lamar Jackson? Like, no, you're not. No, you're sitting here, bro. You're eating, you're eating fries with, with saturated fat and cheese. Like, you're not better than him. You keep sitting right where you are in your duff, and you celebrate him. Right? And we would rebuke anybody that tries to take glory away from Lamar Jackson scoring a touchdown. Because we'd be like, bro, you're not it. The best thing you could do is celebrate his greatness. 
Think about your faith. When we give glory to God, when we become natural worshipers of Him, when we acknowledge all of His goodness, when we acknowledge His holiness, when we acknowledge His righteousness, when we lift up all of these attributes about our God, the peace comes to us because why? I'm never going to measure up to that. I don't have to be righteous to be seen. I don't have to be holy in order to receive. Now, should I pursue those things? Of course. But my glory goes to him. I don't need glory by, by any of that. I don't want my behaviors to be the thing that's on display that people can give glory for. I'm giving glory to him. And as residue, I will grow closer to him because the object of my affection draws my heart. Where my heart is, then my, my treasure flows, my my, my value comes from where my heart belongs. And so by giving glory away, I'm also giving away the burden. I'm starting to have peace. When I say something like, God, you are in complete control. And then I get a doctor's report. If I fully mean that he is in complete control, this doctor's report is subjected to that glory so I can have peace. If, if I say, God, you work all things out for my good. Your scripture, your word declares it, that you work all things out for my good and your glory. And then you have a financial loss, a setback. You have a relationship that falls apart. You, you begin to experience an illness. If I'm giving God glory for being the one who works it all out, I can have peace in the midst of my storm. And so peace comes from me giving away the glory because I don't have to carry that burden alone anymore. But when I want the glory... I'm very clearly going to see how weak I am and how broken I am and how much I can't fix it and I can't fix them and I can't make this work and my consternation is going to come because I'm trying to be someone I'm not. I'm trying to be a glory hog. But when I give the glory away and I say, God, you're in charge. God, you're capable. God, you are good. Jesus, salvation is on you. Jesus, salvation of my friend is on you. And I, I pray and I seek. But Lord, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I have peace in my heart because you are in control. You are worthy. You get glory. And as a result, I get peace. Because I'm not trying to play God any longer. It's not in your screen, but I want you to write this down. Revelation 4. Verse 9 through 11. Revelation 4, 9 through 11 says this. Revelation 4, 9 through 11. What you're seeing is, is just this encounter before the throne room of God. It says, it talks about the singing, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who is in this to come. But then it says, and wherever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him, 
who is seated on his throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. So they say, look, you've given us something. You've given us some kind of recognition. You've given us some kind of glory. We're going to cast those before you. And it says this, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. We all talk about heaven is so peaceful. And one day I'll get to heaven and there'll be, we celebrate this, and there'll be no more tears and no more No more doubt, no more shame, no more crying, no more pain. And we say, man, heaven is a peaceful place. But you know the element that allows heaven to be that way? We are so overwhelmed with the glory of God that we're not trying to figure out everything. We're not trying to make everything better. We're not trying to claim credit for Jack. Because we're just so overwhelmed with his glory that we have no problem taking off whatever recognition and throwing it away. Just giving it back to God. And in giving back any glory, we we say, you know what? Peace is here. Why? Because the king is really on his throne. There's none of this little kingdom, little kingdom, little kingdom everywhere. No, no, no. Whatever crown you have, you just say, oh, Lord, I'm giving that to you. I don't need any of it. And that's, my friends, that's where our peace comes from. Because he's fully God, and I'm fully not. And I'm okay. Why? Because I trust him. Like, I really, really, really trust him. How much of your peace is broken because you're not giving God glory? How much are you robbing yourself of a walk with God that's full of peace? Because every little nook and cranny, you're trying to have authority. You're trying to make it better. You're trying to improve the situation in your own flesh. Versus giving God all the glory, all the honor, all the praise over all things. And so when the angels came, they understood this. And, and they looked and they're just like, wow, we haven't had that opportunity. We haven't had that favor. Like you, you, you all get to just see God in his glory right where you are. Not only in eternity to come, but eternity present. And they said, you know, blessed are those on whom his favor rests. God has given you the benefit to experience heaven on earth. But in order to get there, you've got to give him glory. With everything you are and all that you do. You say, Lord, I don't need it. It's yours. I'm taking off my crown. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying. So they talked about it. They made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. 
but Mary. Everybody say, but Mary. This is one of my favorite lines in all of the Christmas story. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen, just as it had been told them. We have a Merry Christmas by allowing the wonder to turn to treasure. Allowing the wonder of it all to turn into treasure. It's a wonder that God would come. It's a wonder that God would come. But it's a treasure that God did come. It's, it's a wonder that God would save. But it's a treasure that God would save me. Don't just be in awe with God. Allow that wonder, allow that to turn into treasure. Don't just be in awe. Allow it to mean something. Treasure up these things. Hold them in your heart. I can't help but to think that in the midst of that moment, the reports are happening and all the commotion stored up and, and the Messiah was born there in a stable and all of this is going on and they're just like, wow, we've been told like this baby is, is, is the, the coming king, the Messiah, and, and these angels, I mean these angels, like, all of them, they're just everywhere and they're just like giving praise to the, this is who the baby is and everybody there's like, wow, 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 you hear that, you hear that, that's amazing, that's amazing, and Mary, she's like, yeah, I hear it all, but I'm treasuring this in my heart, it's valuable to me. I'm going to hold on to this. This is going to be the reservoir from which I draw when all these terrible things happen, when, when my son gets lost. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've misplaced the Messiah. <laughs> this will be bad. He gave me one job. It's going to be when People turn their back. It's going to be when they want to crucify. It's going to be when he's up on the cross. It's going to be when he gives John to me to look after me. That treasure of the wonder of God and the glory of God on Christmas. That treasure is the reservoir which you draw. That peace comes from the fact that you've given glory away. And when you celebrate the fact that, that God would come, but He came for you, when you celebrate the fact that God would save, but He saved you, you can have a Merry Christmas because you're reverberating the good news of the gospel of God. And for the rest of your life, you don't feel pressure to try to fix it all. You don't feel pressure to try to make it all work. You understand that sickness will come. You understand that pain will come. You believe the gospel when Jesus says in John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so you begin to have a peace that passes all understanding because the Spirit of God is in you. You've treasured up these truths in your heart. You've given the glory away, and you sit and you rest. And you say, Lord, no matter what might come, I can have a Merry Christmas 
and I'm going to have a Merry Christmas on this date that we created, December 25th, and I'm going to have a Merry Christmas on January 1st, and I'm going to have a Merry Christmas on Valentine's Day, and I'm going to have a Merry Christmas even with the leprechauns in March. I'm going to have a Merry Christmas on Practical Joke Day, April 1st. I'm going to have a Merry Christmas day in and day out. Why? Because I've treasured up these things. I've given all the glory away, and I have a peace that passes all understanding, and I'm celebrating the glory of God that has come, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. I'm going to have a Merry Christmas. 